Good morning. Good morning, my friends. It is uh, 8.30 on a Sunday, and here I am sitting at the computer to uh, talk more about the election of 2016 and where we may be going and what we all may be able to do about where we're going because for those of you who don't like where we're going, um, we need information. We need a plan. We need a point of view that sets our actions to get where we want to be going. Now, one of the themes that has dominated my personal work as a psychologist has been on the interaction of the politics of human relationships uh, in and out of psychology. Now, what I mean by that is that when I first started to join the voices of those who agreed with Thomas Zass that um, uh, uh, mental illness doesn't exist, it's by its nature can't exist, that what we're really dealing with are people who are unhappy and confused and generally behaving in ways that they themselves may not understand, and certainly we who watch them as members of our family or society don't understand and don't like. We're dealing with unwanted behavior. People who say, I can't control myself, and people who do things uh, that don't seem to have an awareness that allows good self-control and choice to be made, or people who uh, operate in ways that go against the values of a family the religious values, the political values, the economic and moral values of their family, and the conflicts that ensue. When I began to talk about Zas, who uh, everybody should read, um, I, I, you know, I'm going to suggest, I keep suggesting books that people can read, uh, The Myth of Mental Illness and the Manufacture of Madness. In fact, I'll do a show just on books. I'm going to put that down on, I think, necessary reading. Uh, good literature is all uh, helps people think more clearly about their lives and the lives of the people they interact with. Uh, when, when I began to talk about SAS, I found that I was becoming a pariah. My close friends uh, stayed with me, but when people contradicted my ideas... Uh, I tended to become authoritarian and fight back rather than allow people the necessary space that a good therapist gives people to work out and hear their own ideas and reflect upon them. I did a show uh, earlier this week in which I feel that is the essence of a good therapy and a good interaction between teachers and students uh, and ultimately, as I will talk about over the next days and today, the essence of the democracy. If you're going to live in a democracy, if we're all going to live in one, we have to practice it. We really have to practice it. But we can't practice what we don't understand. I found I was being attacked at the college and at the clinic I was working. Uh, Zas was nearly destroyed they did remove him from his position at Upstate Medical College. They took away his ability to teach students, but they couldn't get his license removed, so he was able to practice and earn a living. And certainly, uh, he was able to write. 
the last I saw, his books uh, are in 25 different languages. And while most people, they remain a specialty within uh, the field or in people who are interested in such uh, uh, ideas, uh, they still sell very well. And I recommend, you could probably get a nice used copy on Amazon. Uh, and it, it's worth reading. It really is worth reading for the logical argument and the passion with which he takes apart the authoritarian nature of psychology. So I became interested in that. And as I became more interested in the politics, I did some reading in politics. And what I read was very clear. Politics is a means of reducing or removing conflict between people who interact. And when you deal in a field like mine, you discover that most of what we call mental illness and most of the unhappiness that we have in, in, in uh, 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 the patients who come to see us really involve the politics of families and the politics of marital relationships. In other words, all the politics that goes on where conflict ensues. And what I recognize, I feel very strongly, I have a marriage, I have children, I have grandchildren, the interactions of individual differences always produces conflict. I don't see the possibility that human beings can interact over periods of time with their own individual ideas without there being conflict. Right? I don't want to eat the spinach. Spinach is good for you. I don't believe in God. God is the truth. I could set this up in any way. Darling, tonight I want to have sex. No, sweetheart, I don't feel like having sex tonight. This sets conflict. The politics that we use to reduce the conflict now becomes the basis of the relationships we have with our children, with our lovers, with our spouses, with our friends, and with the general society uh, that uh, we live in at all levels. And how we resolve the conflict determines what will happen to those relationships, but will also determine, in the case of children growing up in various political kinds of systems, it's also going to determine the personalities and their view they have to live their lives, the choices they make, and the way in which they see themselves and see others. So to me, this is the critical issue, that one of the things I tried to do, especially in my last book, uh, is to talk about the way in which people come to see themselves and their self-image as a result of how conflict was reduced in their family, in their relationships, and as children watching their parents resolve the conflicts between themselves. So far, I sound pretty coherent for a uh, Sunday morning, and um, not too bad. And uh, I, had, I have stopped, basically stopped drinking, but last night I was just in the mood. We sat outside, my wife and I. We really had a very nice dinner. 
together, and I had a vodka. Oh, it was so delicious, frosty and cold. Uh, but uh, I haven't been drinking for a while, and what happens is you lose your uh, tolerance. And so I lit up like a Christmas tree. Um, not too bad, but <laughs> this morning I am a little fuzzy. And I don't like the feeling, which is one of the reasons I stopped drinking in the first place. Uh, it's very hard to go out and concentrate on golf, which re- really requires a lot of concentration when your mind is still buzzing from the night before. But anyway, uh, so let me talk a little bit about what I see are the three forms or maybe four forms of political interaction. These are not pure. We're not talking about types of interactions that are uh, 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 holistic. Uh, They bleed into one another. They change over time. Um, And we are, in our society, moving towards uh, an authoritarian, possibly a totalitarian system. I'll know it's totalitarian uh, when they won't let me do my show anymore when the free press is gone, when the Times can no longer criticize the president. Um, uh, And we may be seeing uh, an anarchy take place, an anarchistic uh, set of relationships within Congress. Uh, The idea that the Republicans are all in charge, there are cracking signs, and how they're going to get resolved are going to be interesting to watch. Interesting, if not horrifying. So, anarchy. In a political term, if you read about anarchy, uh, it's really a desire of individuals to be completely equal and not have any leader, except leaders that emerge and then go back into the group as individuals. That's the dream of the anarchist. The anarchist hates the authoritarian, as we'll see in a moment, Uh, And the moment the hate comes out and they start throwing bombs, uh, as has happened uh, in our American history, uh, to kill off all leadership, uh, they are now totalitarian. Anarchy, I don't think, exists well in families. And I'm going to do separate shows on uh, politics in, in Uh, families, politics in raising children, politics in religion, uh, politics in uh, interactions between men and women, sexual politics, all good stuff that comes out of this framework. And I should add, one of the goals I have for doing this show in this series is to promote democracy, but to promote it by giving people the tools to do their own analysis. One of my favorite psychoanalysts was Karen Hornoy, who believed that people could be taught to do self-analysis. And to me, the process of education, when it is democratic, when it works well, is allows people to have a, a system of thought that make choices for their own behavior uh, and to resolve conflict with others that run along democratic lines because I do believe that the best form of of interaction is democracy. Now, I've seen families in anarchy. An anarchy occurs with people, uh, and I'm using now in the negative sense, when people simply don't interact with one another. They do what they want to do. They go their own way. 
and nobody has power to stop them. Uh, if you've ever seen uh, a working in a family, you go to a family, the kids are doing what they want. The parents are trying to ignore it, but they're not really ignoring it. The kids are yelling and screaming. Things are being broken. They're fighting among each other. Uh, but no clear leadership and no order occur. So what you have is endless conflict that is exhausting to everyone. Uh, children who are allowed to do whatever they want to do, uh, and there is no structure. Uh, uh, it, it's horrendous. Uh, I was a substitute teacher for periods of time uh, in my early uh, years of education where I uh, was going for my master's. I worked uh, as a substitute teacher a couple of days a week. The children would test the authority I had when I walked into the room, and if I could not get any kind of, of authority, uh, it was five hours of real hell for me and for them. But since they could not understand <clears throat> the uh, benefit of a, be of, of a relationship in which uh, some kind of direction and structure could exist, uh, nothing could be done. It was really quite terrible. Families where children run amok, uh, very often uh, lack respect, uh, they lack authority, and I am not against authority, as I will see when I talk about democracy, which I'll get into right now. Leadership is necessary. In a good democratic society, people are seen and treated as equals, and authority is selected through debate and non-coercive election. Uh, when I practice my psychotherapy, uh, I am never coercive with my patients. I have learned, and I do it well. A patient will say to me, what's wrong with me? Am I right or wrong to do this? And my answer is, what do you think? Let's discuss it. I will not ever tell somebody there's something wrong with them. If we, uh, have to, they have to know there is a diagnosis made, and we have to discuss that. I say that is something I have to call you in order for me to be able to work with you within the current authoritarian system of medicine uh, as it's applied to human uh, suffering and human interaction. Um, and I have to do this. And if you don't want me to do this, then we don't really have to work together. Uh, but if you want to benefit from a relationship with me, and I certainly would like to work with you, it has to exist. Maybe someday it won't exist. Maybe someday. Uh, and where uh, I know I have friends in New York, individuals who um, uh, have private practices, and they make no diagnoses. They, um, and if they get a fee that they could live on, uh, there are no insurance claims involved. And therefore, it is a much more democratic, respectful uh, situation. And it's not that the doctor doesn't have authority, that the therapist, he has to have some authority. Because if he doesn't know something that the individual coming for help doesn't know, then uh, it, it, it's hopeless. When I stand in front of a classroom, I must be an authority. Because if I don't know something and don't have a means to transmit it to my students, then what's the purpose of what we're doing? 
we're not going to be friends going out for drinks. Uh, sometimes the best anarchies, leaderless groups, are a bunch of guys who go out, uh, women who go out, people who go out. Uh, and, and there is no need for an authority. Uh, things are discussed. Things are chosen at the moment. And very little conflict ensues. Uh, it would be nice if we could have a world that's anarchy. So, the third, and now, families can't run uh, purely in democratic means, but children can be raised, and I'll discuss this at great length over the next week or two, to see themselves as participating and growing into the ability to have a democracy in their lives, a democratic means of conflict resolution. Um, and that is if they're spoken to respectfully, if their opinions matter, uh, if they uh, present facts to uh, bolster their arguments. Uh, ultimately, parents have to uh, have an authority uh, where children are concerned in terms of health, in terms of uh, education, in terms of guidance. But we can be prepared to live in democracy. The third is the authoritarian and totalitarian system, one in which we're about to, uh, we've always lived in. Uh, democracy has always been, uh, in America, and certainly in most parts of the world, certainly dreamed about and talked about, uh, and occasionally uh, existing, uh, but in easily move into either anarchy, which I think we may be moving into, or moving into a, a totalitarian system, of authoritarian. Well, let me differentiate. Uh, Jean Kirkpatrick, did I get the name right? I think that was Ronald Reagan's uh, uh, um, appointee to the United Nations. If my facts are wrong, please forgive me, and someone can let me know what the truth is. Jean Kirkpatrick said that in an authoritarian system, the leader who is seen as superior to those below uh, expects obedience in behavior. In, and we've got to talk about the dynamics of these systems, and we will. I can't do it in a half hour. Um, I have something I have to do in a little while anyway. The authoritarian system is happy when people are obedient in what they do. In the totalitarian system, she pointed out, obedience is expected in thought and feeling. That is, the individuals on top will broach no disrespect as they see it from individuals who think differently than they. The Republican Party in the last few years has gone to, from authoritarian, really in many ways to totalitarian, when everybody in the party had to sign a loyalty oath not to ever raise the idea that taxes should be raised to support the wars we were fighting or to improve the infrastructure or for any reason whatsoever. Loyalty oaths the loyalty oaths that existed during the McCarthy era, era uh, which I had to sign when I first began teaching in the early 1960s. Um, 
These are the mark of a totalitarian system. When a man like Donald Trump says, I alone can save you, implying that he must have the power to set the direction of the country, when he knows enough and the rest of us don't know and, uh, anything to save ourselves or have anything to say, we move from authoritarian to totalitarian. Uh, George Orwell wrote 1984. Well, it's 2016, and we haven't yet gotten into the kind of world he described, but most high school students, I still think, are asked to read 1984. If you have never read 1984, you owe it to yourself. In fact, I demand it as an authoritarian that you get a cheap copy, a copy out of the library, and read the most horrifying book about how Big Brother, uh, how the world is, is, is divided up into three totalitarian uh, uh, areas, and how in the area uh, that we are, he takes place, which is in London, as the capital of uh, uh, Eurasia, uh, the uh, Big Brother watches for the through television, the thought patterns of individuals, uh, where there's a moment of hate every day uh, against uh, Goldstein, who is this non-existent terrorist trying to bring down the orderly society, um, and the means by which people are terrified into rejecting any individuality in their thoughts and uh, are expected to achieve a perfect love of Big Brother. Uh, we're not there yet, and hopefully we won't get there. But uh, that is the desire of the totalitarian leader. Uh, kill those who disagree with you, uh, people who beat their children, uh, insensible because they don't follow authority, uh, don't say the right things, seem to be, quote, disrespectful and disobedient uh, in believing what the family or the religion of the family uh, subscribes to, uh, uh, have a very difficult time unless they become totally repressive and refuse to even think some of the things they do think and now are put into a totalitarian system within themselves. And we're going to discuss about, uh, over the next weeks, how to analyze your own totalitarian system, that not to think, not to know what you actually do know, and where that leads in terms of uh, conflict within the self, and the things that we can do to uh, uh, destroy ourselves in order not to think and feel the guilt and the shame and the fear, the terror of standing up to authoritarian family, religion, or political leaders. Hey, I like this. I feel better already. Uh, I've had more people listen to me in the last week than um, uh, in a long time. Now, what I'm going to do, or try to do, because my hanging up and then picking a time arbitrarily tomorrow to do a broadcast 
is not going to bring me the listenership I want and more importantly, people calling in and having discussion. Because I'm talking into dead air and my desire and my, <laughs> my acceptance of this is really quite totalitarian or anarchistic and uh, not a particularly good thing. Discussion is needed for self-correction. We need a certain kind of conflict of ideas in order to hone our own ideas. So it's not that in democracy we all put our arms around each other and love each other. It's that when we do have conflict, we resolve it in a certain way to all of our benefit. We all get smarter during a debate. We all get smarter while wrestling with a good book. We all get smarter. And, and I believe better people because the better people are the ones who live in a respectful kind of relationship with others uh, and, and find the balance between their own individual desires and, and, and individual creativity and the needs of the family and society around them. I, I think I could stop at this point. And tomorrow I will come on the air for those of you who might hear this, at, uh, let's say, 3.30. I think that will do it. If not 3.30, look for me at 4. Because I may need a haircut tomorrow. Probably not. But I think 3.30 will do it. And so I'm going to say, hasta la vista, hasta luego, goodbye, good luck, and uh, have a very nice Sunday.